Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. week hiatus. We're back in Proverbs today, and our reading this morning will be Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son, in whom he delights." And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. Now you can be seated. All right. So in our study of the book of Proverbs, we have transitioned into more of a topical approach. We know we like to to teach... um, expositorily, and many times that means teaching through the passage of Scripture. And as we have slid into these pearls of um, uh, wisdom from the book of Proverbs, we have kind of transitioned into a um, more of a, a topical approach. Prior to this, we have considered the, an introduction to Proverbs, just kind of, kind of jogging your brain, not going to go through all these, okay? And in that, we saw that the the overall theme of the book of Proverbs really is the fear of Yahweh. That the fear of Yahweh um, is what brings knowledge and brings wisdom. And then we continue then looking at what it means to, be, to have possession of wisdom. And then the propagation of wisdom, how then um, Solomon, as the dad, was seeking to propagate that to Rehoboam, his son. And then um, encouraging him to put it on, to continue on propagating it. And then the portrait of wisdom how um, Solomon, by the Holy Spirit, portrays wisdom in the persona of a woman, but then she is then juxtaposed, if you would, with another woman, and that is folly. And then we consider the pursuit of wisdom, how there needs to be a commitment. Um, There needs to be this desire to, to pursue wisdom, to search after it, like you're searching after treasure or, or a hidden treasure. And then we consider then the path of wisdom, the, how, where the wisdom would take you. And finally, then we've moved into this, this pearls of wisdom. And I was meditating a little bit upon this this week as we came, come back into this and just thinking again about, I haven't shared yet why I use this, this term other than the beginning of the P. Um, and, and 
is, that's a joke, y'all. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, thanks. Okay, good. Um, but a pearl, and so on your sermon note sheet, you have this on there as well, but it comes from J. Thomas Jewelers, um, their website. And, and I loved how they described then uh, what a pearl is. And um, so a natural pearl, often called an oriental pearl, forms when an irritant works its way into a particular species of oyster, mussel, or clam. As a defense mechanism, the mollusk secretes a fluid to coat the irritant. Layer upon layer of this coating is deposited on the irritant until a lustrous pearl is formed. And as I thought about that, I thought about how each of these proverbial truths of God's word are like that irritant. You say, well, it's not an irritant. It really is the first time you hear it. I mean, that's why they're there. When you first hear that truth, and it's not like how you're living, it's what? It's a little prick. It's a little bit of a, a goad. And I'm mindful then of Paul on the road to Damascus, where Jesus said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, against the pricks. That, you know, that, that Jesus was just kind of pricking them, just kind of banging them, you know? And Paul just kept kind of like fighting against it. And you almost see Paul's defensive mechanism, you know, secreting this stuff to try to coat it over and try to ignore it, you know? But it doesn't work that way. God's Holy Spirit continues to work and continues to work. And, and he guides you into all truth. And so this truth, eventually, as it does its work in you, comes out as a pearl in your life produces something that's extremely valuable. That then led me in my mind to Jesus' parable of the kingdom of heaven, which he likened to a merchant who was out looking and seeking for costly pearls. And then he stumbles upon one. And he doesn't stumble upon just a, a nice pearl, but he stumbles upon a pearl of great price. And it's such great value, such wondrousness, that he goes and sells everything he has in order to buy that one pearl. And it just stopped me in my tracks. And I had to ask myself, how valuable is God's word to me? How valuable is his kingdom to me? How valuable is even one of these Proverbs to me? It's easy to secrete that little bit of defensive mechanism and look at Proverbs as just a what? They're just generalized principles. They really don't apply to us today. They're really just kind of out there. You know, God just kind of put these things out there. Well, yeah, they... They generally hold true. However, they're not absolute truth. Now, we wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say that. But sometimes we treat Proverbs that way. We kind of treat Proverbs like they're just these generalized truths. But they're not absolute truth. And again, I then challenge myself, wondering, am I becoming this Pharisee who is setting up his own little righteousness and standards and layering upon layer. Does it make sense? And becoming then um, deadened to the 
the value and pricking of the Holy Spirit through his word. So, as we then have gone into these pearls, we've looked at those concerning life and health, and those that concern then as well food and drink. And uh, today, uh, we want to continue on. And so just, um, if you haven't realized it, I don't know if I mentioned I thought I meant, I think I mentioned it, but in case I didn't, I'm actually using more of an expository concept in my topical approach. And so we've really been going through Proverbs chapter 3, and so that's why I had um, Chuck read that. And so if, if you have it open again, you'll note in Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 12, that um, as Mo- Moses, that's good, as Solomon is speaking to his son Rehoboam, he said, My son, do not forget my law, but let, my, let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. That's the life and health. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them upon the tablet of your heart, so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear Yahweh, depart from evil, it will be health as well to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor Yahweh with your possessions in the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine." So from that, then, I went to food and drink because it's a natural um, transition. But if you'll note, then, verse 3, the next thing that we come into with this topical concept is chesed nimet, mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. And we're told, let not mercy and truth forsake you. And as you read this, right off the bat, it seems like this is, a first of all, a... Um, a message is going to be on the balance, if you would, between uh, kindness and cuttingness. Between tact and truth. But rather, the, the words that are there are the words chesed nemet. And so, as we get into this, it's important, we're going to do some application toward the end, but we're going to, we, I want to lay the foundation of what these words mean and where we're going with it. And so, you can see that the word chesed, and we're going to see this in a moment through many verses we're going to go through, is translated faithful. And you'll note that I've got these, these transliterated words beside it. Aman, Imun, Imona. Okay? And then loving kindness, chin, mercy, rachum, goodness, tov. Um, because every single one of these ways that this word is translated actually has another Hebrew word that could have been used in its stead from the English. In other words, if you're looking at the English, going back over into the Hebrew, you could have put another Hebrew word in there for it. And that's because this word, chesed, really has all of these concepts all rolled into one. It has, then, this concept of a faithful, loving kindness. Or even down here with a committed compassion. It's a faithful, loving kindness which manifests itself many times in compassion in mercy. But it really has that concept of a commitment. And so my Bob's translation of this many times is the faithful loving kindness of Yahweh to the objects of his covenant. Because many times what we're going to see is that Yahweh speaks of this, or it is spoken of Yahweh, in reference to those whom he's made a covenant with. 
and that God will never, ever, ever go against his covenant. Why? Because of his chesed. Because of his chesed in Emet. Now, another illustration I'd like to share from the carpentry side of things. Um, and, and I find it interesting. Years ago, I, this is a little bit aside, um, and it was a Christmas message, and um, I was teaching on Jesus, and I, you know, Jesus was the son of a carpenter, or so it's stated. But I researched that, and I translated it, and it doesn't say that. Rather, what the word says is that Jesus was the son of a craftsman. And in Hebrew, as well as in the Greek, a carpenter is a craftsman of wood. A mason is a craftsman of stone. And it doesn't say that. He was just a craftsman. It's from where we get technon, which is where we get our word technology. It's a study of craftsmanship, technology. And so I find it very interesting then that Jesus, who was the creator God, wasn't just a craftsman or just a carpenter. He was a master craftsman because he was through everything. And so I found that was really overwhelming for me at that moment when I studied it because I realized that when God established a business for me, he didn't establish a computer consultant business for me. That would have been natural for me in my, my work. But rather, he established for me a home improvement business, something I had no clue how to do. And then he led me step by step by step to understand. So even then, the word chesed is like putting the level out. Most people will say, when they look at the level, it needs to be between the lines. And when they look at it, and I wanted to show pictures of this, and I forgot to put it up there. But they'll, they'll, they'll look at it, and they'll say, oh, yeah, that's between the lines. And now, after doing this for many, many years, and those of you who, who do this kind of stuff, you'll understand that that's not a true definition of what level is. It's not just between the lines. Because it can be between the lines, but touching a line. That is not level. When you're doing a long counter over the space of 10 feet, you could be off a couple inches. I promise you, that is not level. What level is directly centered between the two lines. That is chesed. God is chesed. He is also, though, emet. And that's the plumb line. That's taking that level, if you got one of these, right, that have it going the other way. And so, or a post level. You know what a post, some of you guys know what a post level is. It has everything all together, right? It's putting that post level up and making sure that that, that post is plumb and level all at the same time. And that is Yahweh. He is chesed and emet. He is faithful and he is then true. Emet is derived from the word, the Hebrew word aman, which is where we also get the word. That's why earlier you saw the word amun and amuna, okay? Because they're all derivatives of aman. And so when you say at the end of a prayer, what? In Jesus' name, what? Amen. Amen. True. True. You're actually saying Hebrew. You're, you're speaking Hebrew at that moment, okay? Amen, amen. Okay? And so that's why... Jesus, you read Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, he's saying, amen and amen, 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 I say to you. And so in Hebrew, when you wanted something to really intensify, that you really mean it, you would double it. That's why for Isaiah, he saw God high and lifted up in the, in the, 
angels are crying out what? Holy, holy, holy. Because he's the holiest of all. So Yahweh is chesed and emet. Now, how are they used um, within the scripture? And so we're going to look at just a, a three verses, I think. You've got more on your sermon note sheet. So if you have your sermon note sheet, you've got a whole lot of other verses that you can be looking up, okay, and checking out on this one. But in Genesis 47, verse 29, we're told that Israel, or who is Israel? That is, who's Israel? Come on, this is the, the Bible knowledge thing. Jacob, good, okay? So Jacob, okay, is about to die, okay? He calls Joseph and says to him, Now if I have found chin, chin, Okay, chin is the word for grace or favor, like Noah found favor in the eyes of God, right? If I found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly, chesed, and truly, and met with me. Please do not bury me. So note here, deal kindly with me, okay? But what is he asking him to do? To deal what? Put it all together. Deal kindly and truly with me. What's he asking him to do? To be not just honest. Think about it. He's getting ready to die. Okay? So he's not asking for truth. He's not asking for honesty. What's he asking for? Faithfulness. Commitment. I want you to... Yeah, no. Faithfulness is good. I want you to promise me according to faithfulness, according to a commitment, a committed faithfulness there, that do what you... Or no. Do what I want you to do. Yeah. So you're about ready to give me a promise, but then I want you to what? Keep your promise. Okay? Joshua 2, verse 12 and 14. This is um, Rahab talking to the two spies. And note what she says to them. It's really kind of interesting. It says, Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by Yahweh. So she's, I mean, she's a believer in Yahweh. She just isn't part of Israel, right? Swear to me by Yahweh, since I have shown you chesed, that you will also show chesed to my father's house, and give me a true emet token. So the men answered her, Our lies for you, Yours, if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when Yahweh has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. We will again deal with you according to chesed and emet. Okay? She says, look, I have dealt in chesed to you. What did she do for them? She hid them. Okay, she hid them. What else she do? No, no, that's okay. That's okay, Chuck. She did lie. She did. We were. Oh, she it's a time of war. She lied. She used deception. But why did she do that, Chuck? To protect them. In doing that, what really was she doing? She was making a commitment. What kind of commitment was that? Think about it. Come on. She. Yeah, she's making a life decision here, right? Because if they say, no, we're coming in anyway and checking this thing out, and they go up and they find them up on her, her roof underneath the flax, what happened to her chesed? It's dying with her. Do you get it? That's what chesed is all about. She says, look, I have dealt in chesed to you, and now I want you to deal with chesed to me. I want you to deal with this true faithfulness to me. And they say, we'll make you this covenant. If you guys don't give us away, and you leave this token, okay, and it was a little, that red cord, right? You leave this token laying there, then when we come, who's ever in this house, they get passed. That's a pretty amazing thing. And do you realize that when, when, 
I mean, they didn't know how God was going to open up his, to Jericho to them. And do you realize then, when the walls came a-tumbling down, there was one section that didn't? What section didn't? Rahab's house. How cool is that? God honored the vow of these two, two spies. 2 Samuel 2, verse 5 and 6, David sends to Jabesh Gilead, said, sent messengers to the men of Jabesh Gilead, and said to them, you are blessed of Yahweh, for you have shown chesed to your lord, Saul, and have buried him. Remember, the, what, what happened to Saul? He was beheaded, right? By, and then he was hung on the walls, beheaded. And so the men of Jabesh Gilead, they went and they got down, took down his, his, uh, his beheaded body and they buried it. And now may Yahweh show chesed and amet to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now I put this in there because, not just because of this, which is important, but also note the word kindness is being translated um, here as to- from tov, which tov really could be goodness. You have shown this goodness. To- so this word chesed, really, though the word kindness is being used, you wouldn't know that there was actually a different word being used there if you just read in English. Does that make sense? And so really what's being said is that you have shown this what? This faithful, loving kindness to Saul. I mean, there was a commitment that, was invo- that, that it came out in what you did. You don't have chesed and it doesn't appear in your life. Does that make sense? If you got chesed, something's happening because it's, it's going to pour out of who you are. There's this faithful, loving kindness. And so, may Yahweh then show you chesed and because of what you've done. Now, that's important when it says, now Yahweh may show you this chesed and because the chesed and literally is found within the perfection of the attributes of Yahweh. Now, if I asked you, stop before you go reading all that. If I asked you, what is the chief attribute of Yahweh. What is the chief attribute of God? So don't, 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 don't yell them out. Well, in fact, we're going to do this. Ready? All at one time, on the count of three, I want you to yell out for me one word, the chief attribute of God. Ready? One, two, three. Holiness. Ooh. Okay, so the holiness people were louder. Okay, so, so if you didn't say holiness, what did you say? Love. I knew it. That's exactly what was going to happen. This is the love side. This is the holiness side. Anyways, <laughs> now I know why you guys sat where you sat, okay? But no, that, honestly, because we read that God is what? Well, God is love, but we also read that God is holy. See, that God is love. We read that God is love, and they're saying that God is holy. In fact, it says God is holy, holy, holy. It doesn't say God is love, love, love. It just God is love. Like, <laughs> that's right. Taste great. Let's feel like. Good. <laughs> but... But we battle over what it is. Can I share with you that I think it's holiness. If I was pressed into a corner and I was forced, because the word holiness we misunderstand as purity, okay? And really the word holy just means to be set apart. He is set apart, set apart, set apart, so that his love is set apart, his purity is set apart. But I want to make a case that God is chesed nemet. That God is faithful and true, and then wrapped together, this is his faithfulness. And that you ought to be glad that he is chesed nemet. That he is the same yesterday as he is today. 
and he will be tomorrow. That God just wasn't a God of love. And he's not just a God of wishy-washy love. That's where the holiness and the love go together. The greatest passage on, on the holiness of God is John 3.16. And you say, who? What? That's God is love. No, no, it's God is holy. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he, who has, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If God was only love and he wasn't holy, he didn't need to have his son die. He just says, you can come in. Make sense? And sadly, that's the, the, the world's kind of love today. There are no standards. Make sense? But God is chesed, and he is a met. He doesn't change. He is immutable. He changes not. He is faithful. He is true to everything he has stated. And yes, those are part of the fruit of the Spirit, too. You know, that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Four of those are chesed, at least parts of it. Self-control. That's the anchor, and that really is chesed. And so I want to challenge you that what we're getting ready to talk about and, and, and apply to our life is huge because these two things are what God is, other than being the creator God, this is what he's known as. So, Eleazar, the servant of Abraham, knows this. And so we read this in Genesis 24, and he, that is, Eleazar said, Blessed be Yahweh, God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his chesed and emet toward my master. So, <clears throat> note this. Even though you don't read it in the earlier chapters of Genesis, what do you know from this? If Eleazar are saying this, what does Eleazar know about Yahweh? He is chesed and emet. Does that make sense? I mean, he's calling upon this attribute like it's a commonly well-known concept. He has not forsaken his chesed toward my master. As for me, being on, my, on the way, Yahweh led me to the house of my master's brethren. Yahweh's chesed was manifested in his outpouring, and his outworking of Abraham's servant. God, so Eliezer doesn't say, oh, he's showing chesed nemet to me. He says he's showing chesed nemet to my master by making me go. How cool is that? There's a lot of things we could teach on that. I need to let it go, okay? But then, he's so impacted by this. This is so, so this is 25 verses later, or 22 verses later. So verse 27, verse 49, okay? So there's a little interaction going on, but he's so overwhelmed by the chesed of Yahweh being manifested, right? So he has this conversation. He, he places the, the bracelet and the nose ring and whatever all on um, Rebecca. And, um, and then Laban comes out. And so Laban says, who are you? And he explains to it. And so he's explaining, Eliezer is explaining all this to Laban up here. And he culminates it then by saying to Laban, now if you, Laban, will deal in chesed and with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Yahweh deals with chesed and What about you? That ought to make you stop in your tracks, huh? Yahweh has, has shown great chesed and to my master Abraham. He has led me here and has fulfilled the promise. He has fulfilled what he has said to do. Now what about you? That's an ouch. I don't know. 
You want me to send my sister? Now, we could be talking about Bethuel saying, you, could, you want me to send my daughter. Okay? All these thousands of miles away, so really only hundreds, but think about it. In that day, it might as well be thousands of miles because they didn't have the internet. They didn't have a phone. They didn't have anything. Basically, when he, she went away, what? She was gone. She doesn't know anything about the guy. Or they don't know anything about the guy. They don't know anything about the guy that he's going to go to. They remember from way, you know, Abraham from a long time ago, but who's this Isaac? And Isaac's now 60 years old. So, I mean, this has been quite a while. But will you deal? How will you act? Genesis 32, verse 10. I am not worthy of the least of all the chesed and of all the emet which you have shown your servant. Who's talking? Jacob. Jacob. So this is the encounter with Laban from before, right? And now Jacob's getting ready to, or has gone to, to Laban's, right? Laban has played the, 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 the trickster with, with Jacob, right? But look what Jacob says. This is proof that Yahweh has dealt in his chesed nemet, Jacob. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become what? Two companies. Again, the chesed nemet of God will be manifested by what he does. It's just a fact. He is. He is chesed and emet. He is faithful and true. And so what he does is always in accordance with the fact that he is faithful and true. When God blesses you, how many of you are breathing right now? Come on, put your hands up. I should get everybody's hands up on this one. I see that hand. Anyways, so anyways, you're... (laughs) That's exactly how you do it on invitations. You make sure you ask a question. Everybody puts their hands up, right? Oh, I feel good about myself. Anyways, so you're all breathing, right? Why? Because God made your lungs to continually do it without you thinking about it. And not only did God, in his faith, in his chesed and met, cause your lungs to be able to do this without you even thinking about it, he actually put particles in the air that you need to survive. I mean, I promise you that I didn't get here early today with my mask on, so that not that the COVID mask, I'm talking about like the, the ear mask, so that I could turn around and, and generate the, the air generator so that we would have the proper amounts of oxygen and nitrogen and everything else, and I don't know what all they are, I wish Dr. Steve was here, that he could tell us what all is in the air that I need to breathe. Does that make sense? It's just happening. Did you wake up hoping that it was going to be that way today? You didn't because of what? the chesed nemet. God makes the sun to shine upon the just and the unjust. He gives rain to the righteous and to the unrighteous. Why? Because he is chesed nemet. His grace is an outpouring of his chesed. It's who he is. Exodus 34. This is Yahweh talking to Moses. And he's describing himself. Now, isn't this kind of cool, Right? So if you were to give a description of yourself, how would you describe yourself? Well, this is Yahweh describing himself to Moses. It says, now Yahweh descended in the cloud. I always love that part. Yahweh descended what? In the cloud. Isn't it kind of fun that Yahweh always kind of descends in the cloud? No? It's like Jesus descends in the cloud. Anyways, sorry. Anyways, Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood there, stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. And Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh Elohim merciful, rachum, and gracious, kanun, long-suffering. Literally, that means long-nosed. I, I just kind of throw it in there because I thought it was kind of fun. You know, it's a 
long, Pinocchio. And abounding in chesed in emet. Note the other ones. He has these. He has, he's merciful. He's rakum. He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's got favor. Chanun. He's long-suffering. Patience. Long-nosed. But he's abounding. He's abounding in chesed in emet. Keeping. Shamar is the word to guard. To guard. He's guarding it. Uh, it was in the Tsar. Anyways, he's guarding it, is the idea that's there. He's guarding chesed for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Keep that in your brain. We're coming back to that later, okay? This is an expression, an expression of his chesed nemet, that he is forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Now David is counting upon the chesed nemet of, of, of Yahweh. Because David kind of went the wrong way. David was a man after God's own heart, but David failed, just like we fail, right? And he decided, coincidentally, to stay home from war once, right? In order that he could go up and get the view from his rooftop. And it wasn't so he could get closer to look at the stars. Okay? And so David fell into sin. And David didn't just fall into sin, he fell into great sin, because he didn't just sin with Bathsheba, but then he killed her husband. Right? And then brought in so many other people to be a part of it, into his whole nation. David then says, All the paths of Yahweh are chesed nemet, to such as keep his covenant and his testimony. For your namesake, O chesed, uh, Yahweh, pardon my iniquity, because it is what? It is great. <laughs> but I know that, same word, great and abounding. I know that your chesed nemet is great as well. And I know that it's in your chesed nemet that you are the one who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. And so I come to you asking, Yahweh, in your chesed nemet to pardon my iniquity. How cool is that? Keep it in again in your brain. We'll come back to that again later. In the Old Testament still, Psalm 40, verse 10 and 11, I have not hidden your righteousness, David again speaking, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness, amuna, which again is the word um, amen and amet. In your faithfulness, I have not concealed your chesed and your met from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies, rachum, your compassion, from me, O Yahweh, let your chesed and emet continually preserve me. Again, preservation. We're going to see that in just a moment as well. Okay, David understands that God chesed and emet, because of it, it's going to just come out. It's just God's going to do these things. God's going to pardon sin. God's going to preserve him. And David says, I have not concealed them. I have not hidden them. When we get together for testimony time, it is not to talk about my Aunt Sally's dog. Okay? It is testimonies of what God is doing. Can I be more direct here? It is testimonies of the chesed and of God. It's how he has been faithful and true in your life. The idea is not to draw attention to yourself, but draw attention to God. This is a worship service. Does that make sense? 
It is our act of service toward God in giving Him glory and praise. Now, there is a part within, it, within the assembly that we encourage one another to love and good works, but that is because God is working in my, my life, preparing me to be able to minister to the Jehovah Witnesses. Does it make sense? It's always got to point back to Him, though. Why? Because it does. I am nothing apart from Him. I don't even have breath to breathe without Him. How can I declare anything to be of myself? As we're going to see in a moment, each man will declare his own chesed. But who can try, find a truly faithful man? Psalm 57, Psalm 108. Um, I put those up there because we sang them a little bit earlier, right? Um, it says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your chesed reaches to the heavens. You are met unto the clouds. That's what we just sang, Okay. That all about, and that's what we should be singing about the sentiment of God. It is all that's exciting. But here we're going to transition into, oh, you can look at these later. Psalm 89, just tons of it there, okay? It's all about the sentiment and amuna of God. Psalm 136, uh, Chuck read part of it. And that's where it says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His what? His chesed. His chesed. See, we miss it. We think mercy. We think compassion. It has nothing to do with mercy and compassion. It does, but it doesn't. It's everything about his faithful, loving kindness. And if you read Psalm 136, you'll get it. That's what the psalmist is recording. It's about the faithfulness of God to Israel. How Israel continually was unfaithful to him, but God remained faithful the entire way throughout the history of Israel. It's exciting stuff. New Testament, though. Four of these, all from the book of Revelation. I was so excited um, last week, again, I thought Chuck was going to camp out a little bit on Faithful and True, and he didn't. He was being gracious to me, I'm sure. And so, But throughout the book of Revelation, now, again, we're going back to, we're not talking about the church, now we're talking about Israel again. We're coming back into Israel. But here within Revelation 3, to angel to the church of Laodiceans, write, these things says the Amen, the Amuna, the Amet, the faithful and true. Can I tell you that in the Hebrew that would be? The Chesed Nemet witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Who is that? Jesus. That's Jesus talking to the church of the Laodiceans. He declares himself, he declares himself to be who? The faithful and true witness. It gets better. Because we read in Revelation 19, verse 11 to 16, this is the battle of Armageddon, where we see, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Chesed Nemet. He was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, if you had any doubt, the Word of God. Well, who's the Word of God? Well, we go all the way back to John 1. Well, I don't know. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. He was in the beginning with God, and he was God. God was the Word. The Word of God is Chesed Nemet. He is the one who is called Chesed Nemet. And what we just saw in the Old Testament, who is the one who is Chesed Nemet? Yahweh. Do you get it? There are, people say there's no, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's, there's no proof that Jesus is, is Yahweh. There's tons of proof that Jesus is Yahweh. It's all throughout it. You just got to want to see it. He's the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and 
The Lord of Lords. Amen. And then we get into Revelation 21 and 22. This is Jesus again speaking, right? And giving this testimony. And we're told, And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are chesed nemet. These words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Who declared that? Yahweh. And Jesus is declaring it to himself. Revelation 22, verse 6, Then he said to me, These words are chesed faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. God himself embodies he is the perfection of chesed nemet. That's hugely important as we f- fly through these applications then to believers. The first one, and I'm going to take these backwards, and we're going to end on Proverbs 3, okay? So even if you say no, it's okay. We're going to do it that way. Um, I don't even know why I asked. It was kind of a, you know, like one of these questions. That you're like, Why did you even ask? It's like asking a kid, hey, do you want to clean up your room? Don't ask your kid, do you want to clean up your room? The answer is what? No. So just say to him, hey, go clean up your room. What's that? Let me rephrase that. That's exactly right. I didn't really mean to ask that as a question. Okay. So, the preservation of the king. Proverbs 20, verse 28. Um, We're all in Proverbs. If you want to turn to Proverbs, you can get these. Otherwise, I'm going to read them. They're not on the screen. Proverbs 20, verse 28. Chesed and Emet preserve the king. And by Chesed, he upholds his throne. Mercy and truth preserve the king. And by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. Note the fact that Chesed is... Translated two different ways in the same verse. It's translated mercy. It's translated loving kindness. But chesed and emet, preserve the king. Now this is Solomon talking to Rechaboam. Where do you think Solomon learned this? What did we read earlier from the Psalms that David wrote? That he understood that it was the chesed and emet of God that was going to what? Preserve the king. Do you realize that you are royalty do you get that that Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords but you're a joint heir with Christ that Galatians 4 says that in the fullness of time God sent forth his son to be born of a woman to be born under the law that he might redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons and that we're told that we are then Romans chapter 8 that we're told that we become joint heirs with Christ that is mind-boggling to me. And Peter then says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are royal, we are a royal priesthood. Do you know why it says that we're a royal priesthood? Because we're both. We are royalty because of our position in Christ and his adoption. We are priests because we represent God to the people and people to God. It's the blending together. Remember, there was the, the three the three offices. There was the, the prophet. The priest and the prince, or the king. They got to keep peace, right? So, prophet, the priest, and the king, okay? And sometimes a king was a prophet. Which king was a prophet? David, okay? Sometimes a priest might be a, um, a prophet. Anybody? Samuel. Samuel. Jeremiah, good. Jeremiah, I think, was as well. You're right. Okay, good. But can you tell me one that was a priest and a king at the same time? Ah, 
Melchizedek. That's exactly right. And that's what the book of Hebrew then comes back to with Jesus. That Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Who, and is, now Melchizedek literally means king of righteousness. Melchizedek. And he was the, he was the prince of Salem, but he was also then a priest of, of Yahweh. And so we follow in the order of Jesus. And so we as well then are royal priests. We have a royal priesthood. What then will preserve royalty? What will preserve the king? The chesedimet of God. The chesedimet of God. And by chesed, he upholds his throne. Secondly, there's one I said to remember. So Proverbs 16, verse 6. By mercy or in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for. And by the fear of Yahweh, one departs from evil. Literally, um, so it has the, the bait, the bait. And so the bait um, as a, can be in to buy. Would you agree with that, Gerard? Bait as a, yeah, into buy. And so you've got to make a decision prefix-wise or prepositionally-wise what, what preposition you might want to throw in there, okay? But can I, can I, I'm going to use the word buy. By chesed nemet, atonement, payment for sin, the covering of your sin, is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of Yahweh, one departs from evil. First John 2 one and two says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's not the propitiation for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That when Jesus Christ came, he didn't just come as my advocate, as the propitiation for the sin of believers, but he came to be the propitiation of the sins of the whole world. How could he do it? Because he is because iniquity is atoned for by chesed and emet. How fun is that? And as we just saw in Revelation 19, when he comes in a great white horse, who is he? What is his name? Chesed emet. He's faithful and true. And so he who is faithful and true, he who is chesed and emet, is the one who will pay for our sins. He is the one who will atone for our iniquity. I just love it. Third, the reflection of our contemplations. Proverbs 14, verse 22. Do they not go astray who devise, I want to come back to the word, who devise evil, but chesed and emet belong to those who devise good. The word devise literally there doesn't mean to... Um, uh, we think of devise like you're devising a plan, like you're getting down and you're actually plotting it out. In a sense, it has that into it, but it literally means to contemplate on or to maul over, to think about. And so, therefore, um, you can then get into this port of de- devising something because you've what? You've thought about it enough, you rolled it over. So, if you're going to rob a bank, the first thing, well, you should do, if you're going to be a good bank robber, not that you want to necessarily be a big, good bank robber, but the first thing you ought to do, at least in my kind of brain, is what? 
think about it, you know, kind of plot it. You know, you're going to think about the bank. You're going to go in. You're going to, you're going to scope it out. You know, you're going to kind of look around. You're going to think about what do I got to do. And then you're going to do this kind of thing, okay? It's the military mindset, you know. I mean, before you go, you just don't jump and go take a hill. You got to figure out how you're going to do that, right? Well, that's the concept is you're rolling this thing around in your brain. So look what it says. Then, do they not go astray? That's the results. Okay? Do they not go astray who what? Who meditate upon, who contemplate, who maul on evil. But chesed and emet belong to those who maul on, contemplate, think over, rule, consider goodness or things that are good. Tov. If what is going on in your brain is things about God, what will come out? Things, the attributes of God. If you're meditating upon the chesed and met of God, think about this, the goodness of God. If you're meditating upon the chesed and met of God, what's going to happen in your life? You're going to start revealing chesed and Do you know why we act the way we act? Because we're products of our thoughts. I'm not into all the, the new age kind of stuff, but there is some truth in, in, in certain things. You've got to take the, the truth with it, right? But God's word talks about the, the, the power of way we think, right? That's why metanoia is the word that is chosen for repent. Change the way you think. Because if you change the way you think, if you change the things that you contemplate on, if you change the things that you mull over, you'll ultimately change the way you act. So if you're meditating upon, contemplating on the goodness of God in his chesed and you're going to play out in your life. Chesed and You're going to be one who is faithful and true. You will be balanced, level, and plumb in everything you do. Finally, there is then, from Proverbs 3, the passage we're looking at, is then this exhortation. So based upon all that, we have this exhortation. To retain chesed and To retain mercy and truth. First of all, we've got these commands, right? Do not let them go. Do not forsake them. Don't, literally, don't release them. Don't let them go. Keep them. But don't just keep them. Bind them around your neck. It's kind of like the yoke. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. For my yoke. You know what a yoke is? It's something you put around your neck. That doesn't sound very helpful. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that's exactly what we're, t- we're told. Bind these things around our necks. Other than, you know, not, not one of these things, you know. And so, if, if in some way I could, wearing a tie would remind me to be what? Chesed Nemet. It doesn't work that way. But that's the idea. Is I want to take it and I want to bind Chesed Nemet around my neck. Right? I want to engrave them. Write them upon the tablet of my, my heart. Why? Because out of the heart flows everything I speak and everything that I do. What's the result? Then you will find chin, favor, in the sight of God and men. Again, we read about Noah, who is living in that evil and wicked day when every thought and intent of the heart of man was only evil continually. Noah found keen favor 
in the eyes of God. Why? I think because he was sentiment. I think he was faithful and true. I think that he, he, he clung to God in the midst of a world that was going chaotic. Does that sound like today? Jesus said in the end times, because evil will abound, the love of many will wax cold. Literally, he says, because lawlessness will abound. And that's really kind of an interesting thing, because people will be without law. As I look at the world today, I almost look at that word now, and I start looking at it a little bit differently. Not necessarily without the law of Moses, all that's true, but anarchy. People will be without law. And because there will be anarchy, because people will be without law, which means that there's no moral standing, no moral law as well, that the love of many will what? Wax cold. Why? Because you are inherently selfish. And you want to please who? Yourself. And so it is then, chesed nimet, it is that, 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 that idea of God, that Yahweh, his chesed nimet, playing out in and through my life. It was because of his chesed nimet that he came and died for me. Do you get it? And so it's because of his chesed nimet working through me that I want to deny myself. Or I ought to want to deny myself. Does that make sense? That's the battle. That's the battle. So, oh, wait. Matthew 24, or is it Matthew 25? Matthew 25. I don't have time to go into it. But you can look it up. This is the, the, the parable of the talents. Jesus gives the, the talents, the silver, the minas, the, the silver, to, to the different servants. And to the first one, first one comes back, and he says, to him, he says, so what did you do with it? He says, I took the five that you gave me and I invested it. And here's five others. And Jesus says to him, what? Well done, my what? Faithful and true. Faithful, he calls him faithful and true. My true and faithful servant. Chesed nimet. You will now inherit. And then to the one, faithful and true. My good and faithful servant. Chesed nimet. And then to the one who went and just dug a hole and buried it. And he says, you worthless servants that I got. So my question to you in the end is, when you stand before Jesus, what will you hear? Will you be declared to be chesed nimet? That is his name. It was in Antioch. Think about this. There's so many things that run, are running through my brain and all this, and I just don't have the time to, to bring all these things out. Okay? It was in Antioch that believers were first called what? Christians, little Christs. They were called Christians, little Christs. The word Christ is just literally Christos is the word anointed ones. So they're little. But if his name is Chesed his name tattooed on his thigh, Chesed what should we be called? Chesed You get it? We're called by his name. And it's not Jesus. He's got a name that nobody knows. We're told Jesus, because it's Yahweh who saves, right? And so we, we think of that, okay? But he is chesed nimet, and so if that is his name by which he wants to be referred to as, and his name is chesed nimet, and he is chesed nimet, that, that in the end, that's when people look at me, they ought to say, wow, 
said to Matt. And so I think of Peter and John standing in front of the Sanhedrin. And he said, well, all we can tell you is that we got to obey God rather than men. And the Sanhedrin look at them, and they're dumbfounded. They don't know what to do. All they can say is that these stupid fishermen have been with Chesed Nemet, have been with Jesus. That's exactly right. And so here are these two guys. What are they seeing? What are the Sanhedrin seeing, really, displayed in front of them? Chesed Nemet. There they were standing in the Chesed Nemet of God being portrayed in front of them. And these Sanhedrin guys haven't got a clue what to do. That's the world. When we take a stand, a firm stand for Christ because of his chesed they got a clue what's going on. What is it that you spend your time thinking about? Maybe we're not chesed because we're spending our time in the things of the world. And so we speak like the world, we act like the world, we talk like the world, we sing like the world. Do you desire to grow in conformance to the image of Christ? Then to be, if you would, is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, for it is true. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, you are the one who discerns our hearts. You, you consider the, the, the intents of our thoughts. You know my failures, Lord. God, if you, you had a screen and you showed my life, it would be just horrid. And yet it's because of your chesed and that I even am here today. It's because of your chesed and that any one of us are here this day. Lord, I pray that you'd cause our neighbors, cause the world that is around us to understand you're faithful and true, that you are the one who are giving them food. You are the one who are giving them drink. You are the one who are giving them breath. You're the one who gave them life, that they can even then spit in your face, that you've given them the saliva to be able to do it. Lord, I desire for them to give you praise and not the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord, help us as your servants to be chesed nemet, to be faithful and true. Lord, in all aspects, Lord, as we, as we begin continually to look through these Proverbs and we see that, um, that, that he is a blessed man and a wise man who, who shares the message with others, Lord, that we would be that individual who would be chesed nemet to do that. Lord, that we would give you the glory that you rightly deserve. Cause our assembly to portray that as your body, because that is what your name is. Lord, I pray that you will bless this upcoming week as we prepare for family camp. And that next weekend, Lord, that it would be a special time. Lord, that you would use this time. Wow, what a great opportunity for us to be a city that is set upon a hill whose light cannot be hid from all those that are around us. Lord, help us to remember it's not just about us. That it's ultimately about you. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.